Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing in the room today? Come on, you guys good? Looking at all the folks online, thank you guys for being here today. Thank you guys here in the room today. Twelve people got water baptized in that last set. That was awesome. I just got to say that um, some of you um, are new here or you're a guest with us today. Um, I just, you may, this may not mean anything to you, but for those of us who call LifePoint home, uh, that's 98 people water baptized for the year so far. We had 100 all of last year. So God's, I'm saying that to say God's on the move, man. And I'm so glad to be part of what he's doing. Amen, somebody. Amen. Before I jump into this last installment of It's Okay to Not Be Okay, I hope, by the way, that you've enjoyed um, and learned and grown somehow in this series. Um, uh, Adina Keating last week was fantastic, uh, talking about trauma. Um, but before we get to the message, two things. Um, we are starting our one big uh, group, one big life group, uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, it's called Find Your People. We, what we do, just so you know, is um, we clear out this room. We fill it full of tables, um, so it's one large group, but they're all sitting at smaller tables with new people that you may not know. Um, some of you are like, I'm out, I'm out. I don't, I don't like to meet new people. Uh, I get you, I feel you. Um, I have to do that too sometimes, and I, I get it, all right? But um, it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be about six or seven weeks, I think, and you can sign up at, at Next Step Central. And then next Sunday, we're starting a brand new teaching series. Um, the greatest sermon that was ever preached was preached by Jesus himself, Matthew 4, or sorry, 5, 6, and 7. Uh, we call it the summer on the mount, uh, Sermon on the Mount. And so we're going to do a series throughout the summer called The Summer on the Mount. Come on, see, see what we did there. And, uh, and we're going to have a lot of study materials to go along with that, uh, journals uh, online and in person, uh, Bible reading plans. Um, and we, we, don't, we don't want there to be spiritual entropy right, in your life over the summer like it is with our kids as they go through the summer. They forget most of what they learned. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm saying? Um, so we're going to dig deep. We're going to go hard uh, into God's Word all summer long. So Matthew 5, 6, and 7, if you want to start reading that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them with me uh, on your phone, uh, on the Bible app. Where, uh, and come on, those of you who have real Bibles, praise God for you. Um, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. If you say, where's that at? It's right after Proverbs. Say where that's at, it's kind of in the middle. I don't know how else to tell you. There's a, there's, a, there's a concordance. Come on, somebody, you can look it up. Google it if you have to. It's a part of a wisdom literature that includes pro Proverbs and Psalms and Ecclesiastes and Lamentations and, and Song of Solomon. And so we're going to pick up in verse 10. This is from Solomon, uh, the wise. Verse 10, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired, I refused my heart no pleasure, and my heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. The reward for his labor was that he took delight in his work, that was that he had a joy in his work. Now, it sounds good so far. He's got everything he wants. He's refused his heart no pleasure, but, and actually the word is yet, when I, when I surveyed, when I examined, when I in depth looked at my life, all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, look at this word with me. Say it with me, would you? Everything was meaningless. A, a chasing after the wind, which is an, ex, an exercise in futility, obviously. Nothing was gained, and these quotations are my own. Nothing was gained under the sun. Now, 
I want you to notice this next little phrase in verse 17. We're going to skip down because this message is dedicated to anyone who's ever felt like this on some level. Anybody, for whatever reason, in this space of your life says, my life is not okay. Verse 17, so I, say this with me, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun, that's that phrase again, was grievous to me. Uh, all of it is, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. These words, so I hated life, are kind of strong, man. It's pretty serious uh, a thing to say. Um, and, and what I think he means, what I think he means is that life itself, as it exists for him in this moment, has been such a disappointment. In spite of all the things that he's done, right now he's feeling that it's, dis, uh, it's, it's disappointing, that it's exhausting him. And, and the word hated there means enemy. And, and what he's saying is that when he examines his life, and he sees what has become of it. He feels like his own life has become an enemy. And I'll say it like this. Like he feels like life has turned on him. Do you know what I'm saying? You ever, you ever go through a season of life where it's like, bro, if one more thing goes down, I can't take it. Right? And this is what he's feeling. Like, 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 like I hated life because life feels like it's turned on me. And he says it's grievous or or soul draining, like all of the inward parts of him, the good has just sort of drained out. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, where you feel like you love people, you work for people, you serve people, you, 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 you have your people, but sometimes people can poke you so full of holes that you feel like there's nothing good left in you. Come on, somebody. Real talk in the room. This is what he's feeling. It's kind of hard to feel sorry for the brother, though. Come on. He, had a, he was the richest guy who ever lived. <laughs> he was the wisest man who ever lived. And yet, he says it's meaningless. It, it's a cautionary tale um, in some way that the endless pursuit of more is an empty one. And for 3,000 years, Solomon Solomon wrote this around 3,000 years ago. For 3,000 years, the, the notion that more, more, more is better, he proves that it's not. It's empty. So, so if you've ever had high expectations around something and it didn't go the way you planned, whether that was a vacation that you had for your kids, come on, somebody, and you're like, this is going to be the best one ever. You get there and they're all like, I'm entitled, you know. <laughs> you want to come on. You want to just kind of cut them just a little bit. Just a tiny nick for Jesus. Come on, everybody. If you're new here, you're like, did he just pull out a knife? I do this sometimes. I'm not espousing violence. Come on, just, just a little. No, I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. You, you know that if you've built something up and it doesn't go the way you thought, you can feel a little bit of what Solomon is describing here. I bring, I bring all of this up because there are many of you here today, many of you might be listening in right now, who'd say, I'm not struggling with anxiety or depression, right? or fear or worry, the things that we've talked about over the last few weeks. I'm not trying to recover from trauma. And yet, and yet, I can't say life is perfect right now. I, I, I'm not okay, right? I, I, there's a letdown happening. There's an emptiness. There's a void. Things are not going the way that I thought they would when I was younger. I'm surveying my life up until now. And when I think about what it's like right now, I'm hoping that this isn't all there is. 
I think this is where Solomon's head is at when he's writing this. When I surveyed it, he says it's meaningless. It's, it's empty because he said everything was done that was, here's the word, under the sun. I want you to hang on to that phrase because Solomon says it over and over again. It's, it's like he has fixed his eyes on things at eye level. Nothing above, only beneath. And he says it's so oppressive to him what's happening all around him that he says it's like chasing the wind. And what he really means is like chasing things that we think we've been told, we've assumed would add value to our life, would add meaning to our life. And when we actually get them, they didn't. That's what he's saying. Now, if you're wondering if, if perhaps you could relate to Solomon, there's a few characteristics. The, the first one, and, and it's in the text here, is I'm, I'm frustrated. And, and some of you have probably said this recently, come home from work, come from, from whatever, and you're like, man, I'm frustrated. Solomon feels this way, Ecclesiastes chapter one. This is two through four, and I'm just gonna summarize it. He says, life is useless, all useless. You spend your life working, and what do you have to show for it? The world just stays the same. He's talking about the cycle of life. You work five, six days a week, you mow the grass on the weekends, and then you do it again, wash and repeat. Come on, you know what I'm saying? That's frustration talking. Th then there's another characteristic which says, I'm tired. And I don't even really know why I'm tired. I'm just sick of being tired. And, and in chapter 1, verse 8, Solomon says, everything is wearisome beyond description, meaning I don't even know why I'm so tired, why I'm so worn out. And then there's the third one, I think, that is a big one, and, and it's I'm unfulfilled. And look at the rest of verse 8. He says, no matter how much we see, we are never what? Satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. What I thought was going to fulfill me is not fulfilling me. Like, like if the tiredness and the frustration that I'm feeling was, was, part, was leading me to fulfillment, like, I, yeah, I'm working so hard, but it's making this big difference in the world and in my life. If, if that was true, I could deal with that. But I don't feel like what I'm giving my energy to, my, 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 my life to, my trust and hope in is delivering for me what I thought it would. Do you know what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm saying? And, and all the things that are under the sun, under the sun, anyways, I don't, I don't, I don't know why, under the sea. Okay, anyways, I feel like a crab's out there singing this under the sun with me. I just run the whole thing right now, just wreck the whole message right there. ADD, brothers and sisters. That's... The things that we think, like money, success, achievements, accomplishments, relationships, power, prestige, our, our physical bodies, right? All the things that, that we think are going to add value or think are going to add meaning become little gods, little G-O-Ds that we attend to but that are not worthy of our attention or our affection and yet we attend to them anyway. And because we do this, we end up like Solomon, frustrated, worn out at a soul level and unfulfilled in life. And if we're honest... We're not as okay as we think we are. So it's a real issue because, no, we're not overwhelmed by the mental health crises of our day, some of us in the room. But what we are is we're dying from a thousand paper cuts. Just want to let that breathe for a moment. If you'd say, yeah, Danny, I'm not struggling with my mental health or my emotional health in the way that maybe other people are, but I can't say I'm thriving either. I can't say that my life is flourishing. I can't say I have a ton of hope uh, around the future either. I think that's a lot more people now that we're talking to. A lot more people in this room and, 
and online. So, so in the time that remains, I want to look at a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. I'll have it on the screen as well. Before I read this to you, um, I want to remind you about the writer Paul. So it, it's Paul's story that gives these words weight, credence, if I can use that word. Um, because if we don't understand what Paul's going through when he writes this, it just feels like the ramblings of an ancient guy that has no bearing on our lives right now. But, but, but Paul gets thrown into prison multiple times. He gets beaten within an inch of his life multiple times. He gets threatened with death. He gets arrested. He gets tried. He says, I'm a Roman citizen. Take me to Rome. They take him to Rome. On the way, he gets shipwrecked, stuck on an island for three months. He reaches in to grab some sticks to make a fire. A poisonous serpent bites him. Come on, it's a bad, bad season. When he gets to Rome, he's going to get his day in court. Instead, he gets two years in house arrest, chained to a centurion, a guard, right? So in, in, in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, he says, fellas, I don't want you to be under the illusion that we're not under great pressure. He said, we are under great pressure. And he says, more than our ability to endure. And said, In fact, he says, we, we are despairing for our very lives. So hold that in your brain as we read this text. And therefore, we do not lose heart. Wouldn't you like to be the kind of person who could say, no matter what the stock market's doing, what the economy's doing, what's happened on the job, what's happened with the kids, what's happened in the relationship, wouldn't you like to be the kind of person who says, but we're not going to lose heart? Like, what is the secret of that kind of thing? There, this is where, what Paul's headspace is. In spite of all of that I said, I'm not losing heart. Though, though outwardly, we are wasting away. And what he's talking about is our physical bodies are wasting away. And those of you who are 40 and above, come on, somebody, you know. Those of you who are 51, like a brother is right here, every day I'm reminded it ain't going to get better. Come on, somebody. It ain't getting better, right? Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being, say this with me, we are being renewed day by day. Now, Paul's not here doing a spin job on his life. He's like, honest, man, we're wasting away, right? By the way, that's not a good thing. And yet... Inwardly, I'm being renewed day by day. So what are we reading here? Now listen, Paul is talking about these two realities, these two overlapping but contrary realities that are both true simultaneously. Like outwardly, we're getting crushed right now. Life is hard. Things are tough. But inwardly, things are amazing. And my brain goes, how can that be? How can both of those things be? Because when my life is hard, uh, all I can feel is wh what's happening on the outside starts to happen to me on the inside, right? And, and Paul will explain himself in a moment. But he says it's in this inward place, this inward life. Paul says, there, I'm not going to lose heart. We're not going to lose heart. We're not going to re resign ourselves to a life that seems to make no difference, that feels useless, meaningless. I hated life, like Solomon says. Um, I'm going to keep hope in life. Paul, Paul knows what Solomon may have missed, that life is not is not all about just what we see, hear, feel, touch, acquire, attain. Life is more than what happens to us, quote, under the sun. What are you singing in your head right now? That's what I thought, because I am too. I wanted to do it again. I wanted to do it again. I won't. 
And what Paul is letting us in on is the primacy of our own souls, our, our inner beings being strengthened day by day by day by day. In spite of what's happening in my outer world, in my inner world, I'm being renewed. There's cause for hope day by day because there's a renewal that's taking place. He's talking about the absolute priority uh, when it comes to our emotional, mental, spiritual well-being is to pay attention to the inward being, the inner man, to make sure that even when externally things are deteriorating, often in ways that I cannot control, that internally I'm being renewed day by day. So Paul writes, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, I've read it a million times, or a lot of times, anyway, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of, come on, his glory, he may, God may, grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's a lot. Now, this is huge because if in your inner life there is strength that comes from his, the riches of his glory, his power, in, through his spirit in your inner being, if in your life there is strength, if in your inner life there is power, then it doesn't matter as much what is happening in the outer life. Even if things in the outer world are crumbling because it's not okay, because life feels meaningless or worthless or whatever, you can walk out into the outer world uh, and you can walk through the outer world with strength and hope and joy. And what Paul says in Philippians um, is peace that passes all understanding. Conversely, if in your outer world, like Solomon's was, like everything's good, I, I deny myself no pleasure, I acquired everything I wanted to acquire. If, if, if your outer life is, is, is perfect, but your inner life is in tatters, you will just feel like Solomon did. What does it mean? What is it good? What good is it? What, what, what is it worth? And so Paul says, I'm going to pray for you to be, I'm going to kneel before the Father. I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray for you that you would be strengthened by, through the riches of his glory, by his spirit, through, with his power in your inner being, right? Now listen to me. If, if you and I haven't made the inner being, inner man, inner woman, right, a priority, if we haven't made strengthening it, strengthening it a priority because we're too busy, too tired, too focused on other things or whatever, then we don't have a right to complain to God because we lack peace or because we lack hope or because we're confused or because we're circumstantially depressed or anxious. I realize that there is depression and anxiety that is brain chemistry, but there's also those same things that happen because we're not doing the right stuff. God, that's my story, okay? It may not be your story, but that's my story. So I would say back, what are we doing to have our inner being strengthened? Because it's Paul's inner strength that has come through his confidence in God, his understanding, as we'll see, of the big picture that allows him to say, but we do not lose heart. Though, though all around us, is a pressure that we cannot bear to the extent that we feel like we despair for our life. We do not lose heart. He has built up his inner strength through God's spirit working in his life, through him opening the sails of his, his sailboat, so to speak, to, to let the breath of God, the wind of God, the spirit of God, the ruach, the, the, the breath of God to blow into his life inner strength. Some of our souls are beat up by the pace of life and our focus on things, quote, under the sun and our lack of attention to our interior life with God. 
Some of us are literally running around on empty. The yellow light is on, come on, emotionally, spiritually, and there is a price to pay for that. And Solomon has described what that looks like. It's life. I'm frustrated. I'm worn out all the time. I'm unfulfilled. Life is worthless. Life is meaningless. No, I'm not struggling with all the other stuff that other people struggle with, but man, I'm not flourishing. That's the price to pay. So no, some of you don't have a mental health issue at all, but you do have a soul health issue that you got to pay attention to. And we have to learn to care for our own souls, to do soul care, to do the things that will cause our souls, our inner being, to be renewed day by day. So if any of that applies to you, I want to finish with two practical things. I put a card. I had them put a card in your chair with these two little things I'm going to give you today. And honestly, can I just be honest and say, I don't know if any of this makes any sense. It does to me. Is that too honest, right? I'm like... I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like so passionate about this message, but this morning after the 845, I went, nobody understood it. <laughs> so I'm just going to give it to you, and you can do with it whatever you want. Um, and if it's terrible, my bad, okay? Um, th- there's this dude named James Lord. He wrote, he wrote in this book, don't remember the book, um, about energy. Um, the, the, the energy that we have internally, right? And, and he's a secular guy. I, w- I would call it that, that kind of interior life that I'm talking about. He talks about how energy can be positive and negative. That makes sense. That it can be high or low, right? Energy, right? So he, he, he draws these four quadrants. And I'm the worst drawer in history. And my writing is like hieroglyphics. You need an Egyptologist to understand what I'm writing. So good luck. So if the energy is both positive and high, it would be words like, um, uh, I made myself some notes because I don't, tr- oh, it just went away. <laughs> it really just went far, far, far away. Bruh. I got no idea where it went. All right, I'm going to go, hang on just a second. Pretend like none of this is happening. I haven't, I haven't in two places, bro. All right. It's like words like thriving, all right? I'm thriving. My energy's high. I, I've got, I'm creative. Come on, does this make sense? I'm, I'm motivated, right? I got some other words here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm making it happen, you know what I'm saying? Making it, or just whatever, all right? So there's a creature flying around here. <laughs> bro, go, all right? So Paul says in another place that we are to abound, say that with me, abound in the work that God gives us to do. That work is good, work is godly, laziness is not, come on, can I get a witness from somebody? But we are supposed to abound. And this often happens right here, okay? Second quadrant is the energy's low, but it's positive. So words like I'm rested, right? Um, I'm peaceful. Does that make sense? Um, uh, and, and I would argue Sabbath, right? I'm, I'm obeying the Sabbath. I'm honoring the Sabbath. That says Sabbath, by the way, just FYI. I, I'm, I'm slowing. I'm slowing down, okay? And, and, and Jesus says in John 15, right, that we are to abide. Abide, which means to be connected to, to be in, slow, in deep relationship with. So the energy is positive, it's, I'm, I'm abounding and I'm abiding. And all of life is this constant tension between abounding and abiding. Does that make sense? 
Okay, three people thought so. All right, but, what, but when we go negative, when we go to the right side of the line, the energy's high, it's negative, and, and words like anxious, nervous, fearful. What else do I have? Um, stressed out. Come on. Right? Stressed out start to happen. And then the energy goes low, but it's negative. Down here, it's things like, um, I'm, I'm sad. And sometimes we're sad for right reasons. Sometimes we're sad, but we don't know how to explain it. Yes or no? I'm just sad. I don't know why. I, I'm, I'm depressed, right? Again, some of this we can control. Some of it we cannot control, right? I'm, I'm listless. I have a loss of joy. This is a huge one. By the way, this is all my story in my own way. I have low energy uh, and, and for no reason. And I would, I would say it like this. Uh, I'm in a fog. You ever been in a fog where you just don't, you don't know how to dream or imagine, right? Now, here, here's some stuff I need you to know about this. Some people want to live here because this is awesome. I want to just abound. I want, I'm a 10 every day. Go hard, brah. Guess what happens? You end up over here. If you don't visit Sabbath, if you don't visit peace and slowing, you end up there. And if you stay there long enough, guess where you end up? You end up here. Two things, two things. If you live in this space too long, this is where you hurt other people with your words and your actions because you have no margin in your life. If you stay down here too long, this is where you hurt you with your thoughts and your hurt and your actions. So if you're, gonna, if you're living on the right side of this line, and by the way, we live all of our lives in one of these four areas, and we bounce back and forth through all of them. The goal, though, is to spend most of the time over here, yes or no? Abounding in the work God gives us, abiding with Jesus, right? Um, if you spend too much time on the right, I'm flipping this around. This is super not techy. Right, those of you who have been in a life group with me, you've seen me do this many, many times, right? You, everybody has an emotional tank inside of you, okay? Everybody does. The manliest man, the girliest girl, we all have an emotional tank. Two things I want you to know about them is, number one, it has a leak. It is always leaking out. It is always draining, right? Second thing I want you to know is it's not, it doesn't fill itself up by accident. It's not automatic. So there are things that you have to do to fill it up, and only you know what those are. Some of those things are natural things. Like, like for me, going for a walk with my wife three to four times a week, three, three miles, a hike in the woods, or hike around our neighborhood, fills up the tank. Uh, fishing from a, from a kayak early in the morning fills up the tank. Some things are spiritual. What you're doing right now, whether you know it or not, is filling up your tank. Worshiping with other people, reading God's word, getting God's word illuminated to us, filling up the thing. So some things are uh, uh, under the sun and some things are spiritual over the sun. But there's also things that drain us that we can't control. Some of those things are natural as well. Traffic, come on, come on, somebody, right? <laughs> Alamo Ranch, Petrenko, Bandera, they messed it all up. It was fine. Jacked it all up. Drain. Can I control that? No. Not until somebody bribes me a helicopter. Come on. And nobody's going to do that. Some things are natural, but some things are spiritual. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities who want you to live on the right side. Fearful, anxious, afraid, sad, depressed. Right? You got to think a bit above the sun and under the sun. Now, problem is, is when you get down too low, 
You've been living on the right side too long, you get in crisis mode. Crisis mode is where really good people do really bad things. Preachers and pastors and leaders and politicians and wise persons and famous business people and famous actors, they do really bad things because they've been living in this. But what can happen is you can live down in this space so long it becomes natural and normal to you, but it's not. This is why Paul says that he is being renewed day by day by day, which means, everybody, which means that the refreshing and the renewing and the things that we do over here in the fill side, we, the things that we did yesterday to keep us from, quote, losing heart, we must do again day by day, which means that we must build into our lives a rhythm of abounding and abiding, abounding for doing the work God gives us to do and also abiding, making sure that the work that we do, no matter where it is, is not secular, that we're doing it as unto the Lord. If you're a mechanic, you do it unto the Lord. If you're a doctor, you do it unto the Lord. If you're a tax preparer, you do it as unto the Lord. All of it. It's all spiritual. We compartmentalize things between spiritual and secular. No, no, it's all spiritual. All of life is spiritual. You're a spiritual person, so you realize i got to fill the tank, right? So it has to be done, and the reason it has to be done day after day after day, Paul says, I'm renewed day by day, is because you got a leak in your bucket. The car runs out of gas, yes or no? So some of the stuff is natural, some of the stuff is spiritual, meaning that we have to participate with God because Paul says that he was strengthened by God through his power, in his riches, his glorious riches, in his inner being, right? God did some work. So the psalmist David says, I'm almost done, Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my, come on, say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me, say that, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. What is he doing there? Verse 3, he restores my soul. He makes me do things that fill up the tank that are spiritual, right? The things that I cannot do, but it's his glorious riches. It's his spirit working inside of me. He leads me beside the still waters, which are the, the waters of refreshing, that's how he restores my soul. Now, let me finish by going back to the text. Paul has his, shows us that there is an exterior life under the sun stuff that, that when Solomon focused exclusively on that, got him depressed. And you can't read those words and not feel depressed for the brother. So he fixes his eyes, Paul does. Paul says he's going to help us to see above the sun stuff that, Solomon may have missed. Let's read it again. 2 Corinthians 4, though, though outward, therefore we do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And then verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles, to which some of you would say, he doesn't know what my troubles are. Did you hear what I said about him? Did you think being shipwrecked on an island and bit by a poisonous snake, beaten to an inch of your life, threatened with death, under so much pressure that he thinks I'm going to die? Does that sound like light and momentary? No. But he's going to compare it to something else that makes it look light and momentary. So stay with it. For our light and momentary troubles are, say this with me, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. All what? All of the light and momentary troubles. So that when you have some scales, 
And on one side of the scales, you put, you put all of your troubles, all of your pressures, all of your heartaches, all of your hardships, and, you, and, the, and it weighs it down. And then you put on the eternal glory that is being achieved by them. He says it outweighs far, outweighs them all. Paul is reminding us that there are things happening in our lives that are so much bigger than what we can see. He is saying that it is possible, even in the face of deep disappointments, even in the face of overwhelming struggles or losses or letdowns or persecutions, even when life is such a burden on the external part of us, it's possible to still have joy, hope, peace on the inside. And all of that is because, verse 18, so we fix our eyes not, not on what is seen, not on what is under the sun, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. Underline that. But what is unseen is eternal, lasts forever. I know that so many of us hearing this today are, are so weighed down by all that's been put on our plates in life, by others, by our own decisions, by life itself, and you think I'm gonna drown in all of this. Man, it hurts. I'm confused. I'm disoriented. It just feels like, like it's worthless and meaningless. And all you can see is what Paul says is at eye level in front of you. Now listen, what is, in, what is seen in front of you, that eye level stuff that I focused on, that you focus on, that stuff is temporary. Hear the word of the Lord. You will pass through this moment. You will be able to breathe again. You will survive this thing that seems like it could take you out. And what you could do, instead of seeing life just at eye level, is to fix your eyes, your attention, your affection, your hopes, your trust, your dreams. Fix those things on what is unseen, what is not yet, but certainly will be. What is seen, as Solomon called it, under the sun, is transient. It comes and it goes. And all of the things that we put our hopes, our fears, our, our trust in, all of it fades away, all of it. And only the things that will not fade are, are things unseen. And we learn to live in the tension between the now and the not yet. There is the reality that we have to deal with called now. But there is a next that Paul says is coming that even the most extreme difficulties in life are, are, are light and momentary when compared to the massive rewards that come to us forever in heaven. And we remind ourselves that this life is not all there is. There is a day coming and maybe not even long now when we receive the rewards of following Jesus. And Paul can say, we do not lose heart and the reason we do not lose heart is because he believed without a doubt that even the most excruciating trials of this life are minor when compared to the glory that is coming. He's saying, I have as much trouble as you and, and probably more than you, but the difference is I've connected my heart. I have seen the unseen things and those things outweigh all of it. Something in my life that helps me realize that what I'm going through is actually achieving, listen, it is achieving something in me and it is achieving something for me and he calls it an eternal glory. 
And Paul says, and he's repeating the words of Isaiah in 1 Corinthians 2.9 when he says, and, and no eye has seen, and no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. It is beyond comprehension. There is a promise then that something is happening in your affliction, in your struggles, in your listlessness, in your loss that you cannot see that is bigger than all of the things that you can see. And so what I've connected to my, my life to matters. What I fix my focus on matters. That there is a world beyond this one. There is a reality beyond this reality. There is an age to come. There is a hope beyond this reality. And we live in a world that doesn't want to focus on the afterlife, like heaven and hell. But both of those realities are real. And if you trust Jesus and you believe in Jesus, you know one day I'm going to go spend my eternity with God, right? With Jesus in, in heaven. So what that means, that is what has happened to you. Or I would say it this way, what is, hap what is happening to you is meaningful. It has meaning. It is doing something. It is causing something. It is bringing about something glorious. You can't see this. The world can't see this. They will think, and you will think, you will be tempted to think that the suffering and the struggles are worthless and meaningless like Solomon did, that they're not producing anything good. I can't see anything good coming out of it. That's what you'll feel if you focus on just the scene under the sun. But the promise of God is that nothing in your struggle is meaningless, wasted, or missing. It is achieving something eternally glorious for you. And you got to catch that. you got to see the big picture. And this is how Paul can say in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And you keep that in mind when you're going through the times in your life where life feels meaningless. When life isn't what I thought it would be, when you start to, quote, hate life like Solomon did, you have to remember there is a bigger picture, and you have to see the bigger picture, the unseen things that God reveals to you by his spirit. You see it in his word. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can imagine what God has prepared for you. And the truth is, is your struggles and your troubles are light and momentary when compared to the reality of what God has prepared for you, that it is eternally glorious. That is the big picture. And so Jesus says in Matthew's gospel, when you're weighed down and your life is hurting and you're broken and your soul is not rested, he says, come unto me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Souls. And my job is to say, Lord, I'm going to examine if I have to use a card to help me figure this out. If I got to go talk to somebody, I'm going to start paying attention to my soul. What does it profit a man? to gain the whole world and lose his soul? The answer is, it profits him nothing. This matters, everybody. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you, Lord. I just lean in. I'm leaning in, God, to people who, 
who may be, be frustrated, who may feel worn out and they don't even know why, who may feel unfulfilled, who may not be struggling with all the other things that other people are struggling with, but who cannot say, I'm flourishing. I'm reaching for them. God, I prayed for them all week long. God, we've been praying for these people all week because I've been this person. God, I'm praying that you would open up our hearts and open up our minds and search us, oh God, as David said. Examine my heart, God. Know me. See if there's any anxious ways in me. God, come inside. Do, do, a, do a survey of your own in my heart and, and reveal that to me. God, so that I could care for my own soul. Nothing in this world, nothing that is seen, nothing that is under the sun matters more than what you're doing in eternity in our hearts and our lives. I pray blessings and strength and goodness over everyone in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.